Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm Peter Goldstein, founder and chief synergy officer at WeDidIt.Health. And today I am truly honored to welcome a doctor, Dr. Manel Patel, who is a, a bodybuilder and a family family physician in, in London. And before we bring him on, uh, let me tell you a little bit about us in case you're not familiar with our work. Our mission is to, cr to help create a vegan plant-based world to serve everybody's benefit. And our approach is unique. Our approach comes from uh, from looking at us as consumers, as ambassadors, we all want to communicate with our friends and loved ones and and to help them open their minds and be curious about uh, the plant-based vegan lifestyle. And so the frustration that I experience and so many people are experiencing and that we're looking to do something about is how it is that we show up, we really have the most powerful gift to share with our friends and loved ones, that of health, of animal compassion, and especially uh, reversing climate change. Uh, and, and yet they, they push us away, they shun, shun from us. And so our mission, our work is to figure out how it is that we can actually engage with them, help them open their minds and their hearts. And to that end, we're bringing lots of different people from across all aspects of the vegan and plant-based communities to see the various aspects of this lifestyle. Our community, we are, thrive and inspire to help us all thrive with better health, thrive emotionally, and to be more powerful at inspiring our friends and loved ones who will so greatly benefit from, from this truth of a plant-based lifestyle. So with that, um, I'd like to welcome uh, Dr. Manil Patel, who's a family medicine physician in London. He's a graduate of the King's College in London. Uh, and among other things, he has studied neuroscience. Uh, he is a bodybuilder. He's he's known for his bodybuilder skills. Um, he was telling me, unfortunately, because of his studies and and exams, he he had to drop out of competition. But I'm sure he'd be he'd be pretty famous as as a bodybuilder on stage. But uh, with that, let me bring him on on screen here and please welcome Dr. Manil Patel. Hello there. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So everybody, uh, please please say hello and welcome and post your comments and questions and we'll do our best to address them. So Dr. Patel, tell us about your journey. Tell us how you decided to be plant-based and vegan. Sure. Um, so I didn't, obviously I wasn't always vegan and plant-based. I actually grew up pretty much eating everything, uh, typical omnivorous diet, diet here in the UK. Um, I was actually, my background uh, in terms of uh, my parents with Gujarati, which is a, a region in India um, where people are primarily vegetarian. So when I was growing up here in London, I was born in London, um, the food that I was um, kind of accustomed was mainly vegetarian food. Obviously being around you know other people in, in the UK, uh, you end up eating meat. So I grew up eating meat. Um, outside of the home and then in university I started getting into bodybuilding getting into weightlifting um, and the first thing you hear is you know to get to get strong you need protein and where are you going to get your protein from obviously meat um, so I started eating more and more meat um, you know I, I, 
think if you told me then that I would be vegan at some point in in your in my life, I would you know I would never have believed you. Um, and then in 2017, I a couple of things happened. Um, my first kind of light bulb moment, I'll call it, was going vegan or plant based. Was my friends were going to go to an animal? Oh no, sorry, they were going to go to a um, a greyhound racing track, and I didn't want to go. I kind of declined the invitation i said i don't want to go on ethical grounds because i was against um, dog racing and uh, one of them turned around and said but don't you eat meat and i was like yeah that's true i do eat meat um and i kind of thought to myself i was like i guess i'm a bit of a hypocrite then because i'm against kind of dogs being treated badly um for the sake of greyhound racing for entertainment yet i will happily consume um animal flesh um taken from animals that have been, um, you know, put through horrific conditions in, in, in factory farms and then slaughtered for their meat. And, you know, what's more violent, really, like the, the dog breeding industry or the kind of animal agriculture industry? At that time, I didn't even think of that. Um, but, yeah, it got me thinking. And then a few months later, I went to an animal sanctuary, actually. Um, an ex-girlfriend of mine took me there to volunteer for the day. She was vegan. Um, I was not. But she, but she knew I loved animals. So we went to the sanctuary to volunteer and I, I was just faced with all these animals that were essentially um essentially saved from people like me and i always say that you know because of people like me um these animals had to be rescued and that really again got me thinking but again i didn't go vegan straight away but a couple of weeks later i watched a video on youtube by uh, gary urofsky it's called the greatest speech you'll ever hear and um once i watched that video that was it for me overnight i decided to just make the decision and uh, went vegan uh, for the animals. So my main reason for being vegan is um, for animal ethics and animal rights, um, but I'm plant-based for my health. So I always say I'm vegan for the animals, but I eat plant-based for my health as well. So the more I kind of got to know about nutrition uh, after going vegan, the more I realized that actually a plant-based way of eating is not just the best diet for the animals, but it's actually the best diet for, one of the best diets for our health and the best diet for the planet as well. So it's a win-win situation on all counts really absolutely and and so important for all three reasons and uh certainly the environment uh we, we'd really need to do something by reversing climate change and and heal the environment and and that is our topic next month that we're going to be featuring climate health and uh and we'll talk more about that later. And so uh, please join us next month as we delve into climate health. And of course, this month we're featuring fitness. So back to our topic of fitness. Um, one of the things that I would love for you to talk about is uh, the nutrition for building muscle. So the, the relationship, the components, the nutrients um, around building muscle. Sure. Um, so I think. When people think about muscle, they immediately think about protein. Um, but I always say nutrition is a team game. You need kind of all the aspects. So you need your protein, you need your carbohydrates, and you need health, healthy fats, and you need a total amount of calories as well. So um, I'm sure people are familiar, like, you know, you go to the gym, you, you lift some weights, and, you know, when you lift enough weights and you get tired, um, you can't lift any more weights. You've kind of reached the kind of limit, um, and you've reached what we call muscular failure. And training in that way kind of um, consistently and progressing the weight you lift uh, will kind of stimulate the muscle to want to grow. And that's why resi resistance training is the primary way that your muscles will be stimulated to grow. But then 
to then um, recover from that and to build the muscle, you need to feed the body adequately and rest adequately as well. And the way we do that is we eat enough protein. So all the studies um, on vegans, omnivores, everyone, all the studies have shown that you need about 1.6 grams um, kilogram of protein, total protein for the day um, to adequately build muscle. There's obviously people in the, the plant-based camp that say that you you know you, can, you don't need that much protein, which um, this truth you can get away with eating a bit less. But we're talking about what's optimal. So I always say to people, if your aim is to build as much muscle as possible, you should aim for about 1.6 grams per kilogram body weight per day. And the reason being is every time um, you know when we eat protein, we we spike something called muscle protein synthesis. So anytime you eat a meal and the meal has adequate amount of protein you'll you'll stimulate muscle protein synthesis and depending on how much protein you ate in the meal as well will stimulate a certain amount of that muscle protein synthesis and our bodies are in a consistent flux of building protein and breaking down protein our muscles are made of protein as well so are other structures in the body obviously like the bones the tendons the ligaments you know there's lots of things in the body that are made of this protein and every time you take a meal in you're increasing the amount that's synthesized and you're preventing the breakdown as well so over time, that net increases muscle and then strength, obviously. Um, so it's very important we eat enough protein throughout the day. And then you don't want to try and eat all of that protein in one meal. You want to split it up into separate meals. So I would say three to four meals throughout the day. So you have these little kind of protein <laughs> uh, spikes, um, which spikes the muscle protein synthesis, almost like a wave. Um, because after you've had a meal, it will go back down in a couple of hours. And then when you're ready to eat it again, eat again, the, the muscle protein synthesis goes back up. Um, we should probably rewind and talk about what protein is essentially as well. So protein is a long chain of these building blocks called amino acids. I'm sure some people have heard of the term amino acids. Um, and these amino acids are sort of like the bricks and uh, protein will be like a house. And you put these bricks together and you build a house. There's 20 amino acids um, that the human body uses. And actually we can make 11 of these in the body from other amino acids. So we don't actually need these from our diet. We can make them as long as we get enough protein in the diet. So there's nine essential amino acids, which we have to get from our diet. And it's very important that we um, make sure we get these from the food we eat. Um, and that's why we, we have to eat enough protein to get these essential amino acids. The reason you might have heard, and people might have heard that, um, you know, people always say, oh, meat is superior to uh, plant protein. I'm sure you've heard that as well. Peter, that everyone, you know, everyone thinks of meat is superior. The reason they say that is because meat contains uh, all the essential amino acids in the similar amount as to what's required by our body. Um, but that isn't to say that the same isn't true for plants. So certain plant proteins like soy protein, quinoa, um, potato protein as well, which is, you'd have to get an isolated form, but those types of proteins are also a, a complete source of plant protein, which means they have all the essential amino acids in the amounts you need. Um, but all the plants that we eat, all plants contain all the nine essential amino acids. So there's nothing that's lacking. So when people talk about plant protein being incomplete, it's not that the, the essential amino acid isn't, here, isn't present. It's there, but it's just in a slightly lower amount. Maybe in, in something like beans would have um, one of the amino acids would be a bit lower. Um, and if you pair it with another type of food throughout the day, um, like grains, you'll get that amino acid that's lacking. So provided uh, vegans are eating a varied source of different plants throughout the day, seeds, nuts, uh, legumes, lentils, whole grains, um, tofu, tempeh from soy, uh, seitan, 
I'm not sure if you're a fan of seitan, but that's just white, vital wheat gluten. Um, I don't eat it all the time because it's, you know, either you have to buy it or you have to make it yourself, but it's also a great source of protein. So provided you're doing this throughout the day, you'll get all the protein you need. Um, so the, it's, it's nonsense when people say that vegans are lacking in protein and it's a protein deficient diet. I don't know any vegans that have uh, suddenly become protein deficient. It's just not seen in the in the Western world. You have to be really starving yourself to become protein deficient and really eating low protein foods, which I'm sure if you're if you're worried about your health and you're trying to be the healthiest version of you, um, you're going to be looking and taking care of your diet and you're not going to be deficient uh, unless you're really um, starving yourself. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important that people eat the adequate amount of protein to build muscle. If your goal is something like an endurance runner um, and you're not trying to be a bodybuilder, not trying to be like a trying to build as much muscle as possible, you can eat a bit less. I always say aim for about 1.2 grams per kilogram body weight. Um, so I'm kilograms, not pounds. So if you want to convert that over, one kilogram uh, is 2.2 pounds. So you just have to do the math that way. Um, so aiming for about um, a gram, uh, 1.2 grams per kilogram is what I would say for endurance athletes. Um, carbohydrates are important as well. And thankfully, the vegan diet is uh, abundant in carbohydrates. Um, but you want to make sure you're eating lots of healthy and um, whole grains, legumes, uh, potatoes, tubers, things that have fiber paired with it as well. You don't want to be getting all your carbohydrates from just sugary beverages and um, sugar-sweetened drinks and um, processed foods and refined sugars. Those things may be okay as a treat, as a one-off, but really if you're worried about keeping your health optimal and performance optimal and try and build muscle, um, then focus on these healthy foods as well. And the last one is obviously um, fats. So getting a good amount of essential fats throughout the day. Um, this can be from seeds, nuts, um, extra virgin olive oil, um, flaxseed oil. Um, getting, the, getting these uh, polyunsaturated fats is what's going to keep your heart healthy. Also provide you with the calories you need um, to go on and build muscle as well. So a bit of a long answer there to your question, Peter. But yeah, if you're trying to build muscle and optimize the diet, these are the things you need to worry about. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you for your long answer. It's so much information. And, yeah. and that's really what we're here for is to get expert information. And so so thank you. That that, that was perfect. Um, a couple questions come up for me is, uh, you know, I've heard I've heard it said that really there's there's no there's nobody who's protein deficient, at least uh, that was uh, framed as in America. In America, nobody's pr protein deficient unless maybe they're on their deathbed and critically ill, but everybody gets enough protein. But, but most people, at least in America and probably globally, but most people are fiber deficient. So uh, I think I've seen a number that maybe 60% of Americans are fiber deficient, and I'm not sure what, what the global numbers would be. But uh, what, what role does fiber play in, in muscle building and, and strength uh, building? So interestingly, fiber is more about keeping the overall body healthy. So you're right. Um, America, 60% of people aren't getting enough fiber. So ideally, um, as adults, we should be getting about 30 grams of fiber a day minimum. Um, and I think this, on the standard American or the standard Western diet, people get about 15 grams. The same is true for people in the UK. Reason being is because most of our um, diets, well, most omnivorous and most uh, standard Western diets, I think 80% of the food consumed 
in 60% of food consumed from ultra processed foods. And these foods have been stripped of the fiber. They're very low in fiber. Um, whole food plant-based diet is obviously abundant fiber because it's whole foods made from plants. And, and you can only get fiber from plant food. Um, so even things like beans, uh, lentils, your um, vegetables, fruits, uh, whole grains, again, all these things are in fiber. And the average vegan probably gets about 50 to 60 grams of fiber a day, no problem. Um, and fiber is, inc is incredibly, there's two types of fiber. There's insoluble fiber and soluble fiber. Essentially, these are complex uh, plant carbohydrates which the body can't digest. So our, we can't really digest them. But what they do provide is, um, I guess, roughage for our stools to pass through easily. It makes it easier for stool to pass through our bowels and come out the other end uh, easily. And so it makes it easy for you to go uh, to the loo. Because, um, you know, everybody poops and we shouldn't be afraid to talk about it. We shouldn't be embarrassed. <laughs> Everyone does it. And, and, and pooping healthily is, is a part of health. Um, but also... The fiber is food for um, the trillions of gut bacteria that live inside our colon. Um, so if you imagine our gastrointestinal tract or our GI tract, it's literally, it's a tunnel from our mouth all the way down to our rectum, to our anus, right? And that, the inside of that tube is essentially exposed to the outside world. Our mouth is exposed to the outside world. But as we go down, the food as well is exposed to the outside world. So along that tube there'll be bacteria that live there and, and the highest concentration of these bacteria are found in the large colon the large bowel and it's here where when you eat fiber it acts as a sort of um food for these um, gut bacteria the gut bacteria are able to ferment that fiber and they produce these healthy um, compounds such as um, butyric acid um, short chain fatty acids which then feed the um the cells that line the colon as well and keep the keep those cells healthy so your question was about how can eating a good fiber diet be good for i guess athletes and bodybuilding well if the aim is to um, have less inflammation uh, is if the aim is to keep your cholesterol uh, um, down as well and improve your cardiovascular health to um, keep your uh, blood pressure low as well uh, improve heart health improve cognitive function improve your mental health you know there's there's studies out there that link a healthy gut microbiome uh, to all of these things you know so whilst we're worried about our physical health instead you know and, and and building muscle and all that we should be looking after our internal health as well our organs our our mental health our cardiovascular health and that comes from um doing everything we can uh to make that happen and one of the best ways or what, what a great way is to keeping your gut healthy and the way to do that is feed those gut bacteria with, with plenty of fiber again no long answer but i hope that answered your question yeah, that, that, that's excellent. Um, yeah, right. So I, I'm always advocating certainly for, for, um, for fiber and the importance of fiber. And, and it's amazing. Like you were talking about our, our, our gut and our digestive system and our colon. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that I've seen the information that, uh, colon cancer, for example, is, is very, very, directly linked to to the food and probably having having the fiber keeping things moving to me as as a as a non-professional it just somehow makes sense that if we can keep everything moving through that would that would keep our our digestive system healthier um just on us yeah go ahead just making the point because you because you brought colon cancer i think in the uk 
according to Cancer Research UK, if if you eliminated processed and red meat from the diet, you would you would drop uh, colon you would drop the total number of colon cancer uh, by five thousand four hundred. So red and processed meat accounts for five thousand four hundred colon cancer cases per year. That's five thousand four hundred people diagnosed with a cancer, which frankly the treatment for it can be catastrophic because you, it requires a removal of the bowel. It's a major operation. Sometimes it, uh, can, this cancer can spread to surrounding areas. It's it's really a horrific cancer, and I think it's the fourth or fifth biggest killer as well uh, of people uh, of uh, in terms of cancer um, uh, death rates. So we're talking about huge numbers of people that are affected by this, and not only the individual that's affected by the cancer, but think of their loved ones as well. Um, and if you, if you can just make that switch by not eating red and processed meat and increasing your fiber intake, think of the profound impact that could have. This is just the UK. Imagine globally. Globally, absolutely. Uh, let, let me uh, share a question we have here. Uh, what happened? There we go. All right, let's. Yeah, yeah Marquita asks. So she's asking, she has uh, nephews who are constantly eating processed foods. And um, I think I know Marquita and I know how much she would love to inspire them to, to eat healthy. What what are what tips would you give her? What strategies would you suggest for her to help her nephews uh, eat healthier? I think this. I think with with children and adolescents, it comes from their upbringing and 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 how parents model the behavior. So, parents, you know, I'm not telling anybody how to be a, a good mom or dad, right? It's it, parenting is difficult, you know, and and at times you'll do anything that will make it easier for you to just be a parent, right? Um, but being able to model good health and being able to show children uh, what foods we should be focusing on, I wouldn't punish people for eating processed foods, but we know that you know with with the way the world is and processed food is advertised everywhere, it's readily available, people reach to it uh, easily. It, it it's often cheap as well. Um, because people think or perceive that healthy food is more expensive, which it's not if you know the right place to look and if you can cook. So I think it really comes from how parents um, stock the kitchen uh, and stock the uh, pantry and, and and what foods they have in the house. And, you know, it's it, junk food is addictive. Processed foods are addictive. And if it's, if it's all you've been eating for years and years, your palate gets used to that. You know, I was the same when I was when I was a child. I was eating lots of processed food because, frankly, I didn't know any better. And my parents were just like, "It's fine, uh, let him have what he wants," which is a lot. Which is much of the attitude people have, but they don't realize how damaging that is down the line. Like it, it all happens in childhood. Like we know that um, childhood obesity is on the rise, and that is then having a knock-on effect to how many adults will be living with obesity in the future. It's it's I think something in America, something like fifty percent of the population are already uh, in the obese category, uh, you know, and it's heading towards eighty percent by twenty fifty. It's these numbers are scary because, um, you know, we know that overweight and obesity is associated with so many other health problems like cardiovascular disease, strokes, um, cancers, um, gallbladder disease. It's you know high blood pressure. It's it's a ticking time bomb, and I think unless you intervene early, um, it's very difficult to get them off it. But I think you have to start. And, and the way to do that is really to educate them more on the foods they should be focusing on and keeping those foods around in the house, like fruits, uh, especially fruits, because fruits uh, taste great, you know? And, you know, if someone was offer me fruit and cut me up fruit when I was younger, I would definitely eat it. 
And that would mean that I wouldn't have space to eat all the junk food because I would be eating the fruit. So, you know, getting, getting them slowly to cut out the junk and replacing it with healthy alternatives is the way to go and make the healthy alternatives appeal, be more appealing. I saw a really good one the other day. Someone said, instead of having a Snickers, why don't you have dark chocolate paired with a date and a bit of peanut butter? You know, all these are whole foods. Dark chocolate is incredibly healthy. Um, and you've got a bit of peanut butter on there, which is not it's just a good source of healthy fats. And, and you've got a, a date, which is full of fiber. It's got sugar in it, but it's got fiber as well. And that and, and what that's going to release, uh, how that's going to impact the body compared to a Snickers bar, which has no fiber, lots of refined sugars, it's hugely different. But if you gave a child a snack made of this, they'll probably enjoy it just as much. You just got to, you just got to find ways of making um, whole foods more appealing for children, which can be difficult, but not impossible. So I think that's the way to do it. Crowd out the unhealthy stuff by showing them more of the healthy stuff. I, I love that crowding out. That's that's an amazing concept, and and to crowd out and and to yeah to replace with with healthier and and most likely we don't have to have perfection. Progress and not perfection is 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 sometimes perfection stands in our way, and we think we have to do it perfectly or not do it at all, and that's that's pretty harmful in itself. So Marikita thinks that maybe if if her nephews could see her muscles that that might that might help and um marikita that's 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 a brilliant concept so uh there's so many other plant-based and vegan muscle builders that that to be able to show show a gallery of of successful uh muscle builders and and train train people and champions in all kinds of sports that are plan based i think we we probably should look at uh initiating a project like that so uh yes uh so uh what are your thoughts on that i think yeah i think again we were talking about role modeling so having a role, role model, model. It's, it's a big, a big thing. So when I when I first got into veganism, for me it was like looking around. Okay, wh who are the guys out there that have muscle and are vegan? You know, yeah. At that time, I just saw Nima Delgado, uh, Brian Turner, Derek Simnet, um, and Patrick Baboumian. I think those are the four that I looked at first. Obviously, Patrick is a strong man. He wasn't. He didn't have the kind of body I wanted at the time because he was a strong man, but he was strong and he was eating. And he always says, like, the strongest animals are, uh, are, are vegan, you know, oxes, gorillas, elephants, rhinos, you know. Um, obviously, we don't have the same digestive tract as them, but the, 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 um, I like the, the imagery that the strongest animals are plant eaters. And having those role models to look up to really made it easier for me to then transition. And obviously, I went vegan overnight, so I had to, like, kind of research and stuff very quickly. But knowing that people had done it and, you know, the path is already there, I just need to follow the path. It, it, it's much easier than, than than making one yourself. Beautiful. So yes. Yeah, so so modeling and and showing them and and Shelley says yes. Wow. I think she she really agrees. And 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 look at that picture that that she uses on Facebook. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Shelley. Uh, look forward to hearing from you too. Um, have all yes uh plants have all the protein we need she says and absolutely they they do have all the protein we need and talking about protein um you, you were you were uh 
talk, you, you were mentioning things about about different kinds of protein and plants. Now I and and complete proteins uh, just a few minutes ago, but I I noticed hearing that uh, calorie for calorie black beans and kale has as much protein as as beef does. Now is that uh, how how are those proteins different, or is yeah. there really a significant difference? Yeah, well, this is the thing. So, like, again, the, I wouldn't use kale as a necessary protein source because a lot of fiber in kale and a lot of the protein that's in kale and broccoli and vegetables is bound up in these plant fibers. So, you know, you, if you're cooking it down and everything, the, the absorbability will still be good. It might not be as good as beef, and that's just a fact. And I think vegans have to, you know, as a, as an evidence-based vegan, I have to accept the facts like that. So I won't use kale as my protein source. I use kale for my fiber source, my phytonutrient source. It's got calcium. It's got um, it's got magnesium. It's got all these other uh, minerals and vitamins and vitamin C as well. Like it's got everything else I need. Vitamin K. That's why I'm eating kale for. Um, but I do obviously eat legumes like black beans and edamame beans and. Again, the protein in that, uh, the reason they say calorie for, calorie for um, you know, by calorie it's got as much protein as, or more than steak, is because you have to eat a lot of the kale to get the same amount of calories as like 100 grams of steak. So you have to eat a lot of kale to get the same amount of calories that's in the steak, right? And that's why that you end up getting a lot of protein that way, but no one's gonna sit there and eat like a whole two kilos of kale. It's just not gonna happen, right? It's not, it's not practical. Um, but yeah, like if you eat a tin of a, a tin of boiled baked beans or like a two cups of baked beans, you might get as much protein as um, steak. But again, it's a lot of fiber. It's very filling. Is someone going to really sit there and do that? Probably not. So I would say you need to eat food that's going to also keep you comfortable. And too much fiber can be quite uncomfortable for some people. You know, you, your body has to adapt to being able to eat that much fiber. Um, so you won't want to you won't want to eat two cups of beans every day like um when you've just gone plant-based i would say ease into it um and the type of protein it's the only difference really is that beans are lacking or, or have a lower amount of the amino acid um the amino acid methionine which so they have all the nine essential amino acids but one of the amino acids is slightly lower whereas in steak it will be all the same but i always say the the overall package of the black of the black beans and the steak are very different in the sense that the beans are on the fiber, phytonutrients, all these vitamins and minerals, and they're really health promoting. Whereas steak, okay, it's got your all your essential amino acids, but what else has it got? It's also got saturated fat. Um, it has it can increase your risk of colon cancer. It's got heme iron, which we know it can increase cancer risk. It can um, when your body digests it, it, it makes an enz uh, a compound called TMAO, which can increase your cardiovascular risk. So the overall package of the protein we're eating matters more. Um, and I haven't even talked about how, you know, to get steak, you have to forcibly impregnate a cow, take its baby, rear it, uh, keep it in a uh, locked up in a cage and then kill it, uh, long before it's, uh, long before it's, um, natural lifespan. Um, you know, and it's, it's just so like that whole concept is so unethical, whereas growing some beans, you know, you're not exactly, uh, you're not, it's, it's just not the same in, in, to compare. So yeah, I would definitely go for the kale and the beans, uh, but I wouldn't just lean on those for my protein sources. I would like to have things like tofu, tempeh, um, lentil-based pastas, things that have more protein per calorie and uh, easier to eat.
Beautiful. So lentil-based pasta. So so we really um, that's that's pretty positive for health. Then is is that right? Yeah, yeah. And so lentil-based pasta is. I mean, the the um the only ingredient is lentil flour. So it's just okay. Ground lentil. So they're 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 like a I would call them minimally processed food because they're they're processed to make this pasta. But the ingredient is just basically pure lentil, um, and they're high in fiber, high in protein, and they're high in complex carbohydrates as well. So if you switch out your wheat pasta for a lentil-based pasta, you'll be increasing your protein intake, and you'll be increasing your fiber intake, and you'll be getting more complex carbohydrates compared to what's found in normal kind of white wheat pasta. So very helpful. Perfect. Uh, you know, you know what you and and your. Uh... You're a bodybuilder and you're an advocate of, of training. And let's let's talk a little more specifically about the average vegan and, and the average whole food plant-based lifestylist. Um, what are the benefits of, of training and working out and, and how much of it should we be doing? And uh, so talk about the, the workout aspect of things here. Yeah, so I mean, I always say exercise is incredibly important. And I think there was a famous quote, which is, "If um, if exercise was a pill, um, it would be it would be the best pill to for, for in terms of like um, solving all of humans humanity's problems and health problems anyway. Um, and everyone would want to take it. So everybody would want to take it as a pill, just because of the profound effects it has. So everyone should be exercising if they are able to do so, um, because you know it's not just it's not just about looking good and all that." It's, the vanity of bodybuilding is completely separate to that. Um, building muscle means that you means that you're going to be stronger. That's one thing. Um, but also, muscle itself is metabolically active, which means it is it, it's actually um, engaging in processes throughout our body that keeps us healthy. It's the biggest sink for glucose in the body. So when we eat uh, foods and carbohydrates break down to glucose, the muscle um, can absorb that glucose and store it in the form of glycogen. And the bigger the muscles you have, the more you can store, which means that getting getting the glucose out of the blood becomes easier. Which And, and we know that having high glucose in the blood chronically is what pre predisposes people to developing type 2 diabetes. So if you want to you know, avoid type 2 diabetes or even going to remission from type 2 diabetes, you should be doing resistance training to build the muscles. It makes your body better at handling uh, the sugars in your diet. You know, and, and the problem that we have right now all over the world, especially in America and the UK, is that people are sedentary. People aren't moving enough. You know, they're not exercising very. You know, some people are not very few people are meeting the minimum uh, governmental guidelines on how much we should be exercising. So you ask how much we should be exercising. And the government says we should be getting about 150 minutes of um, moderate aerobic uh, training, which is, um, you know, jogging, it could be, it could be brisk walking, uh, swimming, cycling. Something that gets our heart pumping is considered kind of aerobic exercise, and we should be getting about 150 minutes a week. So that's about what, two and a half minutes? hours. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not it's not a huge amount, but it sounds like a lot. So when you tell someone that, they'll be like, "Oh, I, I can't do that." But actually, going from zero to anything above zero has a dramatic um, effect on on your health, like positive effect. You know. So just go from zero to doing, uh, you know, ten percent more, twenty percent more. The kind of um, the kind of improvement is almost exponential, and it sort of plateaus off after that 100, 150 minutes, two hundred minutes. So the effects you'll get from doing one hundred fifty minutes to compared to one hundred sixty minutes are not as much. 
zero to ten. Does that make sense? So just doing a little bit is so much better than doing nothing. Um, in terms of resistance training and muscle building, again, the government says we should be getting about, I say the government, but the government kind of bases its recommendations on World Health Organization and health association. So they say we should be getting about two um, sessions a week of resistance training. Uh, and these are activities that um, work on muscles. So where we're actually using our muscles against a force. So this could be weight training. It could be calisthenics where you're using your body weight. It could be even using resistance bands. Um, it could even be something like a martial art, or even some people say like skipping the rope is a form of resistance training as well. So these types of things will help uh, load the muscles and load the bones. And I mentioned, um, so I mentioned muscles already and why getting strong is good. Um, also, being stronger and having more muscle as we age means that we're less frail. And frailty is another thing that kills uh, people when they, when they get to the age of 70, 80 and onwards we your muscle naturally will start kind of breaking down as we age so you kind of heat hit your peak amount of muscle and bone mass uh, in your late 20s and early 30s and after that things start kind of going south it's just naturally it's part of aging but there is a way we can mitigate that and slow it down and to hold to so firstly building as much muscle as we can in our early years is a good idea but then continuing the resistance training to hold on to the muscle as we age will mean that later on in life, we're less frail. We're able to actually do things for ourselves. You know, if you're, if you're, you might not even, you might not fall if you've got that much muscle and that balance and that mobility as you get older. And then uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the, with bones as well. When you, you hit, hit peak bone mass in your late twenties and thirties. Um, and as you get older, that your, the amount of bone mass you have goes down as well. And over time, that increases the risk of developing things like fractures if you were to fall. Um, resistance training and exercise can slow down this rate of um, bone mineral density um, decreasing. Uh, something called osteoporosis. I don't know if you've heard of that term, um, but it's something that commonly happens in postmenopausal women and and the elderly. And it essentially means the bones are quite brittle. Um, but we can mitigate against that by getting enough calcium in our diet, um, getting vitamin D, and also resistance training. So it's really important that we do these things early on in life set these good habits and then carry them on later and i always tell people it's never too late to start you know even if you're in your 70s it's never too late to start your 70s 80s, it doesn't matter um if you can get up and walk you should if you can run if, if you can jog or run even better but you should be doing something um and that's the only way we can actually um, slow down kind of the inevitable decline uh it, um, that's going to happen to our muscles and our bones Yes, I like that. It's never, never too late to start. And I think I'm hearing you also say it's never too early to start. So um, getting those habits early on and carrying them through life is, is really optimal. But it's never too late to start. So, uh, can you... Can you share any strategies and successes you've had with people maybe at a later age to, to start doing some physical training and uh, change their lifestyle a little bit? Um, so personally, I mean, I've not really coached anyone personally, but I know of people that have started later on in life and that kind of have made it a thing they do now. So someone called Jane Thurnall-Reed, uh, she's a vegan um, and she started weightlifting very late in life and she's got a fabulous instagram page actually where she shows some of her training and you can see that she's progressing and she's doing these exercises and things um in terms of lifestyle changes themselves i mean i you know i 
I see people that are in the 60s and 70s and I and often they'll tell often they've come to see me because they've got high cholesterol um they're tight they're borderline diabetic and I kind of ask them kind of what their eating patterns are like and then we you know I've got very limited time with them but I try and see where I can make the changes if possible uh, and it's often that they're eating something like butter every day uh and eggs every day um which and they've got and they've got high cholesterol and no one's ever told them that actually if you're eating lots of butter and lots of um uh, um eggs the saturated fat from that is what's probably contributing to your cholesterol going up so having that conversation with them and telling them actually if you switch to a healthy alternative so make a switch from having eggs to tofu and you can scramble the tofu um and it's actually going to have a good positive effect on your cholesterol and bring it down um also with butter if you switch that to either a spread or if you can avoid the spread altogether and use something like olive oil um well by spread i mean like um a plant spread so you can get plant spreads which people will say are very processed and you shouldn't eat them but compared to butter they've got much higher polyunsaturated fat content um so if it's some, if someone's really going to be adamant that they want to keep having a spread on their on their like toast and switching them to a, a different type of spread is is what i would normally tell them and i've had a, a few people that will make the changes i think it's very difficult because pe people are very um stuck in their ways and forming new habits when you're in your 60s and 70s is so difficult um, i'm sure you'll agree um but you know i've had, I've had a couple of people that have then come back and said oh yeah I've cut out the butter can we get the cholesterol checked again and yeah i mean it comes down a bit but it's by that age it's so difficult to get it down to the levels you want um and i'm not against starting people on medication if we have to um but you know it's a step in the right direction for these people um cutting out some certain bad habits and i and i do encourage people to you know keep active as well so if i ask them if they go for walks they might tell me oh i used to go for walks but then that will stop during the pandemic a lot of old people became very scared around COVID time to go out um but you know you just kind of have to encourage them to get back in the good habits again and um you know a lot of them a lot of them do and if, especially if you ask them if you've got a pet um often having often having a companion animal makes it a lot easier to get out of the house um you've got a dog i can hear him <laughs> um, yes. but often having a companion animal like that makes it much easier for people um especially people who are living on their own um to go out and get some exercise so yeah it's it's i always say it's a work in progress and i try to do these little things and make the little switches uh where possible yeah i as as you're saying that i'm i'm thinking how uh for some people if they have a dog that they're, they're they're probably more conscious of getting their dog exercise than getting themselves exercise that's the thing the dog gets them the exercise just by default. yeah right so 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 that if they yeah yeah so they they think well the dog it will benefit from this exercise and they'll they will motivate them but i'll benefit from the exercise doesn't necessarily motivate the person to do it yeah, so right. yeah yeah and that's what it, this all gets into then is is the psychology is our beliefs is is how we see the world and of course uh this the the norms, the the social, the cultural norms and expectations and behaviors, and and I think uh, in a big way that's that's what we're up against that we did at that health is we're, we're a laboratory to to figure these things out to figure out how can we break down these these huge pressures that we have all around peer pressures as cultural pressures and and really see the truth because the this truth this plant based truth is 
is an absolute truth. Just like if I drop a ball, it will fall to the ground. If I eat if I eat plant-based, I'll get healthier, I'll save animal suffering, and I'll I'll impact the planet. So it's an absolute truth. And 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 what just totally puzzles me so much is how we have this powerful truth yet it's it's so unknown, so unfollowed. So, you know, I don't know. I hear different numbers, but I never hear that more than four or five percent of the world is vegan and maybe one percent whole food plant based. And that that to me is just amazing that uh, these truths have been shared. The, the term vegan has been around over 75 years. The, uh, the, uh, the National Health Association here in, in the United States has been advocating for a plant-based lifestyle for 75 years. So how is it that, that this has been with us all these years, yet such a tiny percentage of, of our population is living it? So. Uh, there has to be there has to be some secrets here. There has to be some things we, as ambassadors, need to do differently so that we can get our friends, our loved ones, the world to to take better care of themselves, their health, of the planet, of all the suffering animals. I mean, you know, when I see somebody talking about how much they love their their puppy and their kitten and, and stuff, and yet they're eating hot dogs and meat and and drinking milk, it's to me this is just just really amazing, and we need to do something about it. And I think we are. So, uh, with with leaders like yourself and so many other amazing professionals, uh, we need to be able to figure this out and and do better, uh, inspiring. Uh, curiosity and that's that's our mission is to to get the information the the little snippets of information get get somebody to open their mind and see how they will benefit it's it's a huge gift we we're trying to give them and and they're resisting us yeah no definitely i think i think we're up against um quite a powerful um i want to say i want to say enemies but yeah, systems and maybe it might be a better word but like definitely capitalism is a huge system that we're kind of up against because that's money makes the world go around and and to date it's it's profitable to do what we do to animals and that's why it works and the only way we can really attack that is through supply and demand and you know by raising the awareness and getting more people to demand for a vegan world businesses will shift that way but that's again that's one one way the other th the other thing we're up against is um um politics you know it's become such a um, a culture war and 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 a political war um, over the whole kind of climate change over veganism, um, you know, in the US and and in the UK. So it's and and often vegans are are thought of as being leftists and and looked down on by the right. And you know, I think everyone's just um, so busy screaming and shouting at each other. The world is kind of burning around us, and the animals and us with it. And you know, uh, only a few of us are kind of pausing to stop. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and and the financial aspect uh, certainly money is like rocket fuel, and 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 that rocket fuel will wor work just as well for people looking to do good as it does for people who are just uh, satisfying their greed or whatever their mission is. So, uh, money is neutral in itself, but. Uh, those who are making money and 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 those in politics and those who are 
propagating the status quo, sooner or later they have to understand that if we're destroying the planet and if we're coming to a point where, where Mother Earth is going to invite humanity to leave the planet, I mean, they, there's no way they can make a profit anymore. So, so taking care of our home and taking care of the planet is really profitable for them. And that, so that that shift in thinking is uh, looking forward to to that coming coming to the corporate world and the political world. I think that will happen sometime in the near future. When, but I'm just hoping it doesn't happen when it's too late. Because um, I think the people that are in the in power now um, are making their money and probably thinking. They're not going to see that time come so live now and and, and laugh and be merry whereas uh, um you know the future generations are the ones that are going to suffer so i think we're quite forward thinking and we and we care and that's why we're having this conversation that's why we do what we do um you know we're trying to we're trying to stop the inevitable really and um yes yeah. it, it needs it needs people that uh, are forward thinking to to really do that before it's too late Absolutely. Well, um, we have David, who's who's sharing his appreciation for this episode. Thank you for your kind words, David. Um, do you, David, do you have any questions that that you'd like us to address? We have about ten minutes left here, uh, or anybody else, we'd we'd be happy to uh, to try and address your questions and concerns. Um, I think um, yeah. So while they, I mean, while they're waiting for questions, we could cover just. I talked about the macronutrients. We talked about kind of protein, carbs, and fats. But I think as vegans, we need to make sure that we're getting all the other vitamins and minerals. Um, and it's very important that like the only the only vitamin that I think vegans cannot get from whole food plant based is vitamin B12. And I think it's very important that we as vegans accept that we have to supplement B12. Um, so vitamin B12 is a compound that's made uh, by bacteria, actually, and it, you know, previously we would have got this from foraging and and drinking from streams and things. I'm not encouraging anyone to do that now, obviously. Um, but then, in our kind of in the omnivorous diet, people get it from eating uh, animal products. Um, funnily enough, farm animals are now um, supplemented with vitamin B12 because they can't get it from the food um that they're that they're being fed so they have to be supplemented as well and then we we eat their flesh and then we get it but so if you cut out the middleman you can just supplement yourself so getting a b12 supplement is what i would recommend you can either get a daily supplement or a weekly supplement but just make sure you're getting it um either from a supplement and also you can get it in fortified foods as well like nutritional yeast or um plant-based milks which are fortified with b12 but those aren't those tend not to be as reliable because you might not be eating the same thing every day and things. So it's, it's one of those things where I tell it, tell everybody just supplement it and you don't have to worry about it. Um, and the other one, depending on where you live in the world, be vitamin D3. Again, lots of, so lots of people in the world are deficient in B12, vitamin D3 and, uh, iron, not just vegans. Uh, this is omnivores as well. I think it's like 40% of people in America who are, you know, no matter what diet they eat can be deficient in B12. Um, and iron would be the, the largest deficiency in the world, um, especially for women of childbearing age, because obviously every month um, they, have a, they have a menstrual bleed and they also lose excess blood that way. So iron deficiency is very common. So it's really important that as vegans, we're aware of where to get different nutrients. So B12 supplement, vitamin D, you can spend 15 minutes in the sun if you're in a nice sunny area. Otherwise, in, I would say supplement that as well daily. 
uh, to make sure you've got the best chance of having strong, healthy bones. Um, iron, you don't have to supplement. You can get from food. Um, so dark leafy greens are high in iron. Kale, we mentioned before. Um, seeds as well. Pumpkin seeds are high in iron. Again, lentils, legumes, uh, even tofu has iron. Whole grains have iron. So as long as you're eating a, a varied diet throughout the day, you'll get all the iron you need. And iodine is another one that a lot of people can become deficient in. And again, omnivores tend to get it from, I think, dairy because um, the way milk is produced, sometimes this iodine metal itself leaches into the milk. Um, and, and it is found in um, animal foods because of their eating and then it assimilates in their tissues. So if you're eating animal flesh, again, you can get it. But um, again, for vegans, the only kind of natural sources are, are, are seaweed. So people that tend to be deficient in iodine uh, iodine live far away from the coast so humans humans obviously evolved if you you know if you um if you, if you look back we evolved in somewhere in africa and we were living kind of coastally and near, near rivers so we were getting iodine easily in our diets so obviously as we've moved out branched away uh, it's harder to get that iodine sometimes in our food depending on the soil that the food is grown in and things so it's important that you're knowing where to get the iodine from and it's, it's another one where if you can get see, um, seaweed easily or iodized salt easily then that's an easy way of getting it um, otherwise you, that is another one that you can supplement if necessary um, but yeah those are the ones that I would I would kind of pay attention to people also mentioned selenium and zinc um, again anyone can become deficient in these it's not just vegans the reason I talk about these is because people tend to point these out to vegans saying your diet is deficient but truly any diet that's not well planned is going to be deficient and if I'm trying to tell people to have an optimal diet, you know, what is the optimal diet? I don't think all omnivores are getting an optimal diet, you know, so you need to know where to get these different things. So selenium can be found in Brazil nuts or even, again, in whole grains that are grown in selenium-rich soil. But that varies depending on the, on, on where you live in the world. Uh, and the last one I mentioned was, I think it was zinc. So zinc, again, found in whole grains, found in um, legumes. Found in he seeds are very high in zinc as well, like hemp seeds. Um, so provided you're eating, again, a varied vegan diet, you'll get all the zinc you need. Um, yeah, I thought I'd mention it, that. Thank you so much. And and with that, um, is, there, is there anything that you would recommend that a vegan taking on a training program and, and even just getting more active, that anything specific that they should maybe uh, – pay extra attention to in terms of diet or anything like reading it material? is nutrition yes nutrition yes i think i think again just eating a, a varied whole food plant-based diet making sure you're eating enough protein so we mentioned the between 1.2 to 1.6 grams per kilogram uh if you're trying to build muscle uh towards the 1.6 grams per kilogram of protein so focus on having your tofu soy milk uh tempeh seitan um lentil-based pastas legumes all these kind of different sources of plant proteins so focus on those getting enough calories as well because a vegan diet is very nutrient dense but calorie sparse so it's it's it, you know a big bowl of salad is quite filling but not a lot of calories in there so a lot of people say when they go vegan they lose a lot of weight which is great if your aim is to lose a bit of weight but if you're trying to build muscle then you need to make sure you're eating the high calorie vegan foods like um you know make yourself a burrito bean wrap or a burrito bowl with like right a brown rice and and and, and lots of beans avocado 
have your nut butters and nuts and seeds, all these high calorie foods to help uh, make sure you're keeping your calorie intake high enough to build muscle. Um, but yeah, that would be mainly it really. Um, focusing on, on eating a varied diet and just making sure you're eating enough calories. Beautiful. Well, um, we have a comment from Claudia and she says she she's late i i guess meaning that later in her life it would be ideal if we were all vegan and plant-based from from birth um but she's she's sharing her appreciation for for everything that that this community is doing and that's that's what we're for we're, we're here to build community to support each other and support each other both to thrive and to inspire so we can thrive emotionally thrive physically thrive with our health and and also to to be ready to to share that with with our friends and loved ones because it's just so frustrating that we look around people and and our nephews and our grandkids and and our cousins and and everybody else in in our lives are 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 so not knowing how much this would serve them and so not ready in their mindset to embrace it so figuring out figuring out how we can do that um is is really what we're after so uh, as a comment, Marquita, and, and I, I echo her, she says, hi, Claudia, JJ, and Dave, and, and certainly everybody who's been here, we, we really appreciate you. Um, and with that, we had Shelly Shakti comment a little while ago, and uh, she's going to be our special guest actually in two weeks. So uh, please please come back in two weeks and, and join us again. And uh, all our videos are available on YouTube. We did it that health channel on YouTube. Uh, please subscribe and and uh, watch these videos and watch the back videos and and comment and then join us in our community with uh, we did it that health. We're uh, we're in process of launching a community where we can support each other even better and and curate these resources and curate the strategy. So watch for that. We. We should be launching that in the very near future. And uh, if you haven't done so yet, uh, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter and, and to please uh, join us uh, on on the scoreboard. So if you go to scoreboard.wedidit.health, uh, we ask a simple one question survey that says, uh, how has your health improved by changing to a plant-based lifestyle? And uh, our, our goal with that then is to to put it up on a, on a billboard in Times Square to, to get to a million people and show the world how a plant-based diet has changed so many lives and reversed type 2 diabetes and, and helped with cancer and heart disease and obesity and everything else. And, and I've been I've been talking about a billboard in New York actually for a while, even before uh, Mayor Adams was elected. And so now that Mayor Adams, uh, who if you don't know his story, uh, he's mayor of New York City, and he was type two diabetic to the point where, as I understand, he was blind from diabetes, and and he changed to a whole food plant based diet, and within three weeks his eyesight came back and now he's he's a huge advocate of of healthy meals and he's uh 
he's doing some incredible things with the hospitals and schools and and advocating for changing uh changing uh, making the changes so that people can have exposure to to healthy foods um yeah so so thank you so much for being with us today dr patel um uh, looking at a looking at a comment by marikita here uh, we'll get our plan-based athletes on the billboard. Yes, absolutely. And and get them in the gallery. So, uh, Marikita, we've been talking about creating a gallery of success stories, and we're in process of creating one called the Fountain of Youth Gallery, where we're show, going to show how seniors are thriving on a plant-based diet. The, the new pharmacy gallery, pharmacy with an F, to show how people have reversed chronic diseases, but uh, certainly a gallery to show athletes and, and to be able to show the children and show the world how athletes, plant-based athletes are thriving so that we can start eliminating, start changing some of those cultural beliefs that say, you know, you have to eat meat to, to, to be manly and to be strong. And we all know how, how false those, those beliefs are. So yes, uh, plant-based athletes uh, as, as a, as a gallery for sure. And uh, certainly, uh, Dr. Patel, we look forward to having your success story and, and your story as part of that gallery once, once we launch it in a, uh, within a couple months here. So we're working on that. Um, with that, I think we're out of time. Any last uh, comments or thoughts that you'd like to share with, with the audience? Um. I guess it's, it's just, I mean, I guess most of the audience are already vegan, but for anybody that's watching that's not vegan, I think do your research, speak to the right people. Um, don't be afraid of all the noise and propaganda that you're hearing about vegan diets not being healthy and not being right for the human body. I think there's a lot of noise being created right now, and I think that's the, the meat and dairy industry trying to fight back against this wave that's coming of people that are compassionate about animal ethics and the planet and and their health as well and if 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 there's so many health professionals out there that are advocating for a vegan diet and the evidence is now stacking up for it it can only it can only be a, a, a positive thing so be careful where you do your research uh speak to the right people and um yeah just good luck on 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 your plant-based journey Perfect. Thank you. And and with that, uh, we look forward to having your favorite resources in our community once we launch that, because part of our vision then is is for all ambassadors to, to be able to do exactly what you've just described. So as we're talking to somebody who doesn't understand it, be able to show them the most the most relevant information and 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 part of our work is the the psychology of interpersonal communication so we can get somebody somewhat interested and then start planting those seeds of, of facts and information so so people can can do their research and 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 see the truth that that we have here well with that thank you everybody and uh we're going to call it a wrap and uh and please uh check us out on youtube and we have well over 200 videos there with with lots of uh, experts and leaders in all aspects of the the vegan and plant-based world and uh, i see part of your shirt what's what's your shirt say i don't know if you read it plant power plant powered yes there we go those muscles we wanted to see those muscles all right well thank you everybody and 
and so long and namaste vegan <laughs> bye bye I like that there bye. you go bye bye